0: That's brilliant. So you'd never have known I was from Wales if Mark hadn't mentioned that. <laughs> We've been in Leicester for 21 years. You should have heard our accent when we first arrived. This is a modified, anglicised accent, believe it or not. Um, so, like, just in, just stopped in Wully Edge and we decided for a Pannoni, whatever however you pronounce it. I'm not Italian, as you can tell. But anyway, <clears throat> I... I was going to say, can I have that toasted? But I thought she's not going to understand, so I said toasted. Could I have that toasted, please? <laughs> I'm up north, so she did still didn't understand. But, uh. So, um, yeah, I just want to talk about um, Jesus. Yes. He's my absolute favorite subject. It used to be rugby, now it's Jesus. So this is what it says in... Uh, John 1, you don't need to turn to this one because we're going to be turning up another one in a minute. But it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. He came from the father full. Full of grace, full of truth. You can't spend time with the father and, and not come away full. Just genuine time. I love that song. God's my father. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's who he is. He'll always be that. God doesn't have moods. Isn't that great? He doesn't have moods. He's always good. He's always kind. He's always generous. Always gracious. Always loves you. That never changes. And then, he's my father. That's who I am. That's who I am. And that will never change either. Since I got born again 42 years ago, that's who I am. God is love. God is my Father. I am loved. Can you repeat that after me? God is love. God is my Father. I am loved. I am so loved you couldn't be more loved do you know that it's wonderful so i i love the fact that the word became flesh and meant his uh, and made his dwelling among us um, it's so important you know that people have gotten an address to go to so god made his dwelling among us the word became flesh and god's ultimate way of expressing himself to us as human beings was to become flesh, was to actually have his presence among us in bodily form so he could be touched, he could be heard, he could touch, he could teach, he could provide. And then he went back to glory. And uh, he said, no, it's over to you. But don't worry, he said, because I'm going to be with you. I'm going to send my spirit to be with you. Can you imagine what it was like living with Jesus for three and a half years for the disciples? Just living with him pretty much every day for three and a half years. So you get up in the morning and you're having breakfast with Jesus. You're sitting across the table having cornflakes with Jesus. Looking into his eyes. And seeing perfect love looking back at you. Just feeling so, so loved by looking at his face as he looks at you with his eyes burning with love for you. Ask him anything you like. Talk to him. Share your heart with him. Just sit with him. He loves it. And then it's time to go out the door. And you think, oh, my word, what's going to happen today? What are we in for today? Because yesterday, a woman touched the hem of his garment. And an ailment she'd had for 12 years was healed by touching the hem of his garment. But not only that, he stopped. He said, who touched me? The disciples said, Lord, you've got to be kidding. They're all touching you. They're all pressing you. But somebody touched me. Who touched me? And she says, it was me. And he told, she told him her whole story. This woman would be ostracized by society because of her condition. She touched the hem of his garment. She received the power of God that was flowing from him. She had a physical healing. She needed emotional healing as well. So he listens to a whole story. He gave her time. He'd just been approached by Jairus. Twelve years ago, when this woman's bleeding wouldn't stop, the same moment, there she is now in anguish and fear, just across from there was celebration because a little girl had been born. Twelve years of age. And Jairus had come to Jesus said, look, come, my, my daughter is dying. And this woman, if you were Jairus, this woman's getting in the way. Jesus, my daughter's more important than this woman. Come, is you're delaying. Especially listening to a whole story. She's got a healing, move on. But he listens to a whole story. And as Jairus is waiting, word comes, too late, too late. She's gone. Jesus said, just believe. Just believe. So Jesus turns up at the house. Peter, James, and John says, come on, boys, come with me. In they go, get rid of all the, the professional mourners. They, they employed people to wail and mourn and stuff like that. So in he goes, raises her from the dead. I mean, exciting life with Jesus. And then you go home, and you're lying in bed, And you can hear God breathing in the bed next to you. This is amazing. I just think one night Peter's there thinking, did he really walk on water or was I dreaming? And more to the point, did I really walk on water with him or was I dreaming? And sometimes, you know, there's stuff that God enables you to do and empowers you to do and you think, gosh, that seems like another person. Was that me? Yes, it was you because he wants to use you. No wonder they were devastated when he said, I'm going away and I'm going to believe in you. No wonder they say, you can't possibly do that. He said, it's for your benefit I go. Because unless I go, the Holy Spirit won't come. Acts 16 named the Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit won't come. It's better for you because when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll not only be with you, he'll be in you. And then God will make you his dwelling, just as he's made me his dwelling, he'll make you his dwelling. Can you imagine if Jesus had stayed? Can you imagine the queue to Jerusalem right now? Trying to book a flight, trying to book a hotel. You've got no chance. She so says, I ain't going, but don't worry, the Holy Spirit's gonna come. And when the Holy Spirit came, never once did you hear the disciples say, if only Jesus was still with us. They never said that once. Why? Because he was. By his spirit. So at the age of 23, I met Jesus. I had no idea what Christianity was like, what it was all about. And Jill and I went along to a meeting because uh, my brother-in-law, my drinking partner, and, and um, my sister, who'd got saved six months, year before, thought she'd lost her marbles, thought she'd get over it. Came to Jesus, passionately in love with Jesus, Dave and Carol Roberts, some of you will know them. They're only in Wakefield right now, working in the church down there. But just to see above the pulpit, Jesus Christ is Lord. Change my life. For Jill, it was the, the preacher said the, the Spirit of God will not always strive with man and Jesus and Jill had said to me, We need God in our lives. I said, No, stuff's not that bad, sweetheart. We'll get we'll manage, <laughs> all right. We gave our lives to Christ in nineteen seventy-five. And basically what you realize then is it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And it's about relationship with him and relationship with each other and relationship with the world as well, with the community as well. I was taking a funeral um, last year of a, a GP who was in, had been in the fellowship in his 80s, passed away. And I was doing his funeral, gentleman by the name of Dan Kay, Dr. Dan Kay, lovely, lovely man. And um, <clears throat> as I'm sort of doing the funeral, people are getting up and they're paying their tributes and I prepared my tribute to Dan because there was... You know, there's some funerals that are easy, aren't they? I mean, there was so much to say about this guy. But everybody was saying what they felt about Dan and how wonderful he was, et cetera, et cetera. And, and my turn was coming up. And I looked down at the order of service and I saw address Ian Jones. And... So I just looked at that and I've I mean I've done umpteen funerals and weddings and it's always got address Ian Jones when I'm doing it of course and it's like I looked at that and it was like address Ian Jones and the Lord said to me don't share what you've prepared just tell them Dan was my address I'd never seen it before Dan was my address now interestingly one of the guys from another church friend of mine was giving um, a tribute to Dan, and he was saying, "The uh, thing is," he said, um, Dan's brother, they, they're a Christian family brought up in Scotland, and Dan's brother Jim became a pastor, and Dan wanted to be a pastor, but he was never a pastor. And I felt an indignation on the inside of me, because I thought that's not true. Do you know the word pastor only appears once in the New Testament, in Ephesians 4? Every other time, that word, poimen, is actually translated shepherd a shepherd and we make an office out of it when actually it's a ministry so the Lord said to me Dan was a shepherd to all of his patients in the community in Blaby in Leicester where he was he brought them healing through medicine but also Dan I knew Dan prayed with people if they wanted prayer so the Lord said to me tell everybody that Dan was my address And that they too, if they're a believer in the room today, they're his address as well. So this is where I got the message from really, is the whole thing of, it's like, we are God's address. And then as you look at scripture, you find that God directs people to his address. So the angel turns up to Cornelius and says, God's noticed your offerings and your prayers. This man's not a believer yet, but he's a, he's a, like a, a God seeker. And the angel turns up, probably Gabriel, turns up and says, God's seen your offerings and your prayers. Now then, send to Joppa, to the house of Simon the Tanner. He lives by the sea. And there's a man called Peter there and ask them to send him to you. I mean, this is pretty specific stuff. But God actually had an address. The angel would not, God did not permit the angel to preach the gospel because angels don't know what it is to be redeemed. They could do it, no problem. We could see the world converted tonight because an angel could turn up pretty much in every household, tell people, or God could do it in a dream. And he does. But if he wanted to, God does his own evangelism. Did you know that? He can do what he likes. He's God. So there we are thinking, oh, is it ever going to work? Is it ever going to work out the way we anticipate? Is the kingdom ever going to come? Yes, it certainly is. And God will do it in his way. But he wants to partner with you and with me. So we share in the joy of seeing people coming to Jesus. So Peter comes back, preaches the gospel. He hadn't even got to the end of his message before the Holy Spirit. God was more keen than Peter to go into that house. Peter goes in and says, "Um, actually, you're Gentiles, non-Jews. I'm a Jew. I just want you to know that I really shouldn't be here. And God's there thinking, but I really want to be here. So Peter just starts preaching Jesus, and as he starts preaching Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes oh, down on the on not only Cornelius but his household, and they all begin speaking in tongues. <laughs> Baptizes them in the Holy Spirit. Peter's like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" It's, it's basically a Gentile Pentecost. That's what happened to the Jews in Acts two. Now it's happening to the Gentiles in Acts ten. Because when preacher said when when Peter got up and preached, this is for all flesh, he meant all Jewish flesh. He was preaching beyond his own revelation at that point, right? And often you will preach. Sometimes you catching up with what you preach in. You preach stuff sometimes, and you actually get revelation on it later, greater revelation. Because the great thing about God is He's constantly unfolding fresh revelation all the time. So the Holy Spirit comes and fills them. And then like there's people that, with Peter, particularly the James' band, who hear about it afterwards. And they're the real sort of orthodox Christian Jewish, let's keep the law as well as faith and all that stuff. And they like, Peter says, I had to baptize them boys, because God baptized him in the Holy Spirit. So I had to baptize him in water. And if God wants to do it, I'm not going to fail. they say, well, that's fair enough. And if God did it, God did it. Right? I was a driving instructor in Merthyr Tidville for 13 years, South Wales. 13 years driving around the streets of, well, not driving, sitting along some other people driving (laughs) for 13 years. I've worked out I went around the world 21 times without leaving Merthyr Tidville (laughs) during that time. And uh, I mean, I'm a Christian in the car. They're not paying me to preach at them. But if they asked me what I did on the weekend, I would tell them. I would tell them who God healed, how many people came to Christ, what God was up to, what the worship was like. They told me how drunk they got. They told me where they threw up. So I'm thinking, if I go to hear your stories, you're going to hear mine. So I was doing that for 13 years. And, uh, like, you'd have a great opportunity to share, because you teach them six months to three years, depending on their ability. <laughs> three years, some people, yeah. Yeah, they, they were very diligent, and I was very nervous. Um, but you get to know them. They get to know you. i pray for the sick in the car, and, you know, just, just share Jesus with people, and, um, sometimes I'd actually say, I get, I get mixed up between the highway court and the Bible. And I'd, sometimes I'd say, yeah, the Bible says you're supposed to give way at the zebra crossing. Did you know that? <laughs> and then I say, did I just say the Bible says? said, yeah, the Bible has got a view on it. The highway court says, but there was a girl in town named Rhiannon she said to a friend, she said, um, she was, she was 18, something like that. she said, uh, said to her friends, I'm interested in Christianity. Do you know any good churches in town? They said, no, we don't, but we know a driving instructor. If you book lessons with him, <laughs> he'll tell you about Jesus. So she books lessons with me. Now, I didn't know any of this, of course. So by week three, third lesson, she turns to me. She says, Ian, I'm really disappointed with you. So I'm thinking, it's my instruction. I said, why? She said, you haven't told me about Jesus yet. I didn't know you wanted to know about Jesus. And in fact, for the last three weeks, I've been concentrating on staying alive, to be honest. I mean, I didn't say that to her, but that's not my focus for the first few weeks. So anyway, I told her about Jesus, gave a life to Christ, gave a life to Jesus. Still serving God, 25 years later, and then she says, um, I've been living with my boyfriend. She said, I know I can't do that anymore. She said, I want to marry him. Well, I said, to be honest with you, we should be a Christian if you're going to marry him, Rihanna. Because otherwise, he's going to want to go to the beach on a Sunday, and you're going to want to go to church. You're going to want to give some money into the offering. He's going to say, no way, dear. She said, you better come and tell him. I thought, oh, thanks a bunch. <laughs> So I did. He's massive. So I walk in there, I'm thinking, there's two ways out of here. It's either through the door or through the window, but I'm going to exit some way. So I sat with him and explained to him what life is going to be like living with Rihanna and if she's a believer in you or not. His name's Lee. He said, um, I'll support her fully. He said, in fact, he said, I'll come to church next week. So then he came within, within three weeks. He was born again. And then we happily married the two of them. They've got four children now. And um, she she's a nurse, and she sat with my grandfather as he was dying and shared Christ with him. It is awesome. It's amazing. That's God, isn't it? Now, my grandfather was a very stubborn man. Now, I have no idea whether he responded or not, but Rhiannon sat with him and shared Christ with him. I think God's so faithful, isn't he? So then, um, 13, 14 years ago, a man called came to the church in Leicester. Now, it was from Afghanistan. So um, so basically, what I'm saying, when I was in Merthyr's driving instructor, I was God's address. Do you get that? Okay. I don't know any churches, but there's an address there. You go there, you'll find Jesus. Yeah. Have you really? All oh, right, okay. Well, I, I'll get my little pointer out to you then. All <laughs> oh, right, oh, that's wonderful. I was happy to go without that then. Okay. Right. Now I can point the red. All I can do, right. So if we can just, we want to, yeah, you can leave that up for now. My computer skills amount to this. I can point at the screen. See the little red dot there? Okay. So, okay. Um, Right. Can we go back to the first photo? Um, right. Oh, there you go. That's the one. I, that's the one I want, really. Um, so basically, just just to say that um, thirteen years ago, a young man came to the church at All Nations. Uh, a young man called who um, had worked in Afghanistan with a uh, an American. NGO non-government organization they were actually christians but they um they didn't make it known they were christians and he was blown away by their love for each other and for him now we'd grown up as a devout muslim right um uh, but he was doing the finance for this ngo in kabul now he'd been told growing up stay away from the christians because they are cheats, they're liars, they're they, all these other things, right? So anyway, he's working with these guys, and, and when he shares needs with them, they pray with him. And he's like, this isn't anything like I've been told. Um, so basically then, they were told that um, they had to leave the country for their own safety, the Americans. And Jesus was told he'd better leave as well, because he's worked for them. So he came to the UK to study, and uh, he came along to All Nations, got born again, got baptised, got baptised in the Holy Spirit, and then started going around the UK teaching mainly Iranians at that stage. Um, And uh, it's not in this picture, but I'll show you in a later picture. But basically, see this young man here, okay? His name is. Good point, then. Thank you very much. Years of practice. Look at that. <laughs> right? So there's me and Jill there. Look. There we are. So there's... Now, He's a Bible teacher. Right? He's presently, at the moment, 13 years in, he, he, he went to Nettle Hill at Covenant College there for a year with his wife. Now, basically, speaks five languages. Is presently translating the Bible from the Greek, he's doing the New Testament at the moment, from the Greek into the Afghan language. He's about to go to Oxford to improve his Hebrew skills in order to work on the Old Testament into the Afghan language, okay? So he's, he's doing that at the moment. Well, basically, the reason I'm saying this is, right, that when then came to Christ then his wife, the word on the street among Muslims was, if you want to know Jesus, talk to It was the address in Leicester for Muslims who want to know about Jesus. So this guy from Afghanistan here came to Leicester, sent to Leicester by the Home Office, and he wanted to know about Jesus. Took him months, but eventually he found So he arrived twenty ten or something like that, seven years ago I think, something like that, home it. And Jesus' culture from Bethel were there the morning he came. So he just walked into a wall of presence. And he just started crying. Because he met the God he'd always been looking for. And as soon as he walked in, God spoke to him. Now you talk to most Muslims and God doesn't speak to them. God spoke to him straight away and said, You're home. You've arrived home. And he knew he was. So um, it's an evangelist. He's saying to me, can I have tracts? So he's giving tracts out in town to all the Afghans he knows. They're spitting at him, threatening him. He's saying, kill me if you like, you just send me to Jesus. And then in December 2012, yeah, five years ago, those of you who have been to Leicester, we sit in a big circle. And i not, Across, just across the way from me, I saw four young men who were clearly Afghans. The Lord said to me, don't wait till the end of the meeting to go and welcome them. Go and shake their hand now and tell them how glad you are to see them. So I went over. The row in front of them was conveniently clear. So I just shook each one of them by the hand. I said, you're so Welcome. They came to talk to me at the end of the meeting. They were there the following week. They came to see me the end of the next meeting. They were there the following week. The third week, they said to me, is there such a thing as an alpha course running here? Because we've heard about this thing called an alpha course. I said, there is now. It starts on Tuesday. (laughs) And that's the thing. When God is moving, you move with him. You don't say, well, no, we haven't got one lined up for another six months or so. No, you're ready. We're ready. I said, get you Tuesday at 1 o'clock. We'll have a spot of lunch together. And I didn't do the Alpha course with them. I just told them about the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, how to know the Holy Spirit. They're saying, we want to give our lives to Jesus. They gave their lives to Jesus. They said, we want to get baptized. They got baptized. The change in them resulted a year later, the four became this group. Right? So basically they started bringing their friends And then there's a lady over here called... Here she is there. Okay, Retired English teacher. um, Primary school teacher, actually. The same week as those four lads arrived, she said to me, Ian, she said, I am desperate to teach English to people who can't speak the language. Reading and writing. So she said... I really she'd asked me before I didn't have anybody particularly. She said I'm desperate to do that. I said I think I got some clients for you. <laughs> Cuz these guys at this point were illegal immigrants. They couldn't go to college. They were under the radar. First thing I said to them, now that you're born again, do it right. Put in your application for um asylum, etc. So then says, I've actually got literature that has been translated by a chinese has been put together by a chinese lady and it's an english course with all the adverbs and the adjectives and the nouns and there's a teachers manual and everything based on the book of luke and on the book of acts on the book of luke is called the good father and the book of acts is the works and words of jesus so some of these guys came to learn english reading the book of Luke and the book of Acts, basically the stories from them, so they were learning English and learning about God at the same time. Now, if you've got anybody that you want to teach English to and teach about Jesus at the same time, because with Muslims particularly, they're very happy to talk about God. There's such an easy inroad in talking about God. They will let you pray for them in the name of Jesus because Jesus is the only healing prophet in Islam. He's the prophet that's coming back to judge the world. Muslims aren't that far from that step of faith to it's all about the deity of Christ and the cross, but once revelation comes on that, not a problem. It was a lovely meeting from Iraq here this morning and came to Jesus. She was telling us, 15 years ago. So lovely to meet you from Iraq. I want you guys to know, right, there's a move of God in Iran at the moment. It's the fastest growing underground church in the world right now. So um, let's just move on a little bit because I'm going to jump ahead of myself otherwise. Could we have the, <clears throat> the next picture? Oh, just before you do, see this? Can I go back one minute? <clears throat> see this young man on the end here? Yeah. He's, his, he's his cousin. Right? So they were sharing a flat. So he starts having Bible studies in his flat. Okay? So his cousin, I'm not going to name too many people because people could put stuff together, but his cousin, we love that guy. He's, he's like got a twinkle in his eye. Do you know what I mean? We love him, don't we, Jill? They, they just call us mum and dad. We get Christmas cards, mum and dad, and stuff like that. These guys, they got lots of brothers but they haven't got many mums and dads. Because obviously a lot of their mums and dads are either still in Afghanistan or they're dead, basically. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, he's in there now, so he's not happy that they're doing Bible studies in his flat. So he's banging doors, clunking cutlery and whatever, making as much noise as he can, be as disruptive as he can. And they just carry on doing their Bible studies. So he decides now then, okay then, if you're becoming a Christian, I am going to become a devout Muslim. So from being a secular Muslim, he becomes a devout Muslim, so he grows the beard, goes to mosque all the time, and after six months thinks, this is a total waste of time. I don't know why I'm doing this. Gives his life to Christ. His testimony is, before I knew Jesus, I hated everybody for no reason. Now I've met Jesus, I love everybody for no reason. There's this young man here. There's a young man there. And yeah, in the middle there with the purple. This one here, look. Okay. His name's... It's in their language. He was one of the first four. So I got to baptize Jesus. He's in work. The guy says to him, another Muslim says to him, So what are you doing for Ramadan? Nothing, he said. So what do you mean, nothing? We all do something. He said, I'm not I'm not doing anything. He said, How come? He said, I've become a Christian. And in fact, what they say is I've become a follower of Jesus. We encourage him to say that because Christian, they think of East Enders and all that stuff. I've become a follower of Jesus. He said, follow Jesus. Why are you following Jesus? Well, he said, Mohammed said that he didn't know whether he was going to go to heaven or hell when he dies. He said, so why would you follow someone who don't know where they're going? (laughs) He said, Jesus has gone to heaven to prepare a place for me, so I'm following him because he's going to take me to heaven one day. I thought, what a great answer. Okay, let's move on. Next photo, this is uh, another bunch of the guys, and um, that's the Bible study. Um, so these will be um, Iranians and Afghans, there's so many testimonies. Let's go to the next one. Okay, and then we've got some Iranian ladies, and uh, this this gentleman here, name 70 years of age, really angry with all the young guys here, turning their back on Islam. It's because you don't know the Quran. They said, Well, have you read the Bible? He said, No, I never read the Bible. They gave him a, a, a Bible, Farsi Bible. He fell in love with Jesus. <laughs> Baptized him on his 70th birthday he's been relocated, but he gets on a bus, even though he's almost blind, he gets on a bus to get back to our nations whenever he can. Just, it's miraculous what God is doing. Now, right? basically, the chances are that you are not going to experience that with these people group. You might. But what I'm saying to you is, basically, it's a team of people who are just going with whatever God puts in your path, Whatever opportunity God opens up for you, give yourself to it, and you have no idea where it's going to lead. Let's just have the last picture up, if we may. Okay? Now, that is the um, Iranian Bible College class of 2015. There's an Iranian Bible College in Surrey. All right? So I go down there and teach sometimes, and this is the sort of the class of two years ago. So there are now Afghans as well and Iranians. Um, and basically then they train them up. They send them all over the world. And there's, there's a whole load of stuff that's going on at the moment that I can't even tell you about. Um, but it's just amazing how the gospel is getting into Afghanistan, into Iran. Meeting. The hunger of a people who are desperate to know God and are dissatisfied with what they're seeing in Islam. People are getting dissatisfied with what they're seeing in secular humanism. There's a hunger that's developing among people. And what I'm saying is, as the church, whatever he says to you, just do it. Stop for the one. The one becomes four. The four becomes 40. The 40 become 400 because God is doing stuff. Now, basically, all I want to say to you is, whatever God has given you to do, do it. Go with it. Realize as well that you, what you have got can support what God is doing. So I thank God for this lady. Because then, what happened with her then, she got volunteers around her, the people that had never done any training on how to teach, but they just sat with the guys and they taught them how to read English, how to write English. But more than that, they became brothers and sisters to them. They became parents to them. They developed relationship with them. And people are blown away. Did you know that the fruit of the Spirit is the most powerful weapons of warfare you have got? So when they'd walk in, they were overwhelmed by the love that they were shown. Love disarms. People say to me, do you know anything? Do you know, did you learn a lot about Islam? Nope, still don't. Don't need to. I know Jesus. And I know my Father. And I know the Holy Spirit. And his love in my heart and in our heart and in the hearts of believers for people totally disarms the enemy and the accusations and the lies of the enemy that people are harboring in their hearts. Turn with me to a final scripture. It's It's in Matthew and it's in Matthew 10. Happy for that to turn off now, guys? Thank you so much for that. I could have told you the stories, but I I just thought, if you can see the people, it makes it more real, doesn't it? Now, people say to me, well, some of these will have done it because they want to reclaim asylum. We are very thorough in our um, interviews, in our training, just to let you know as well that there is a, a Farsi alpha course which runs for 18 weeks that you can get download online. And the teaching, I am told, because I don't understand it, but the teaching apparently is outstanding. It's an Iranian gentleman who teaches basically the doctrine of sin, salvation, deity of Christ, all that stuff. So by the time the guys have done that, then they are really well established. So people say, yeah, once they've got their asylum, you won't see them again. Four of them, five of them actually have been to Bible college, to the Iranian Bible college. Some are going into Germany teaching, some are teaching with us and online and stuff like that. And some have gone. Some have moved away. Some may have backslidden. Some we see from time to time, but you know that—that's the case of any church. But the majority are, are, are doing good, going through their problems, through their issues, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But that's life. That's the reality of what goes on. Never be discouraged by people who walk away, because once they got Jesus in their heart, He goes with them. They're like they're on a bit of elastic. They try and pull away, right? But there's something pulling him back all the time. Because once he's in you, he's not going anywhere. You might try, but he ain't letting you. Yeah. Matthew ten. Well, in fact, let's 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 just read a little bit from. Matthew 9.35 Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness and when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Like sheep without a shepherd. Didn't say like sheep without an apostle. Sheep without an evangelist. Sheep without a prophet, I admire and love and all those ministries are essential. But through all of those ministries must run the heart of a shepherd. Because Jesus delighted in the term, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. It's easy to shepherd people. Basically, it's just like parenting. You just love on them. You care for them. You help them to come to maturity. Anybody can, can be a shepherd. We're all called to it. Then Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And then he names them. And then verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans obviously that changed later, it was to all the world, but at this stage, he says, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those of leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. So he says, go to the lost sheep of Israel. Then let's go down then to verse 16. And he says, and I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. So basically, Jesus is saying, I'm sending you to the lost sheep of Israel, and I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Jesus is using a picture, which still happens in the Middle East today, of shepherding. So basically, what a shepherd would do is that a shepherd would hand rear their lambs, the sheep, care for them, feed them heal them pointment in them protect them from wolves and lions and bears we all know the story of david the shepherd and the sheep would grow up loving the shepherd they know, they knew. they know that still today, I checked with these Iranian guys in the Bible college because some of them had been shepherds in Iran. And they said, yes, yeah, the same today. This is how we do it today. This is how we increase our flock today. So basically, they raise their sheep so the sheep know their voice. They're not like Western shepherds who get the sheep to go where they went, want them to go through fear with a dog putting the, you know, fear into them to get them where they wanted to go. The Eastern shepherd leads from the front. And then sings a little tune, chants a little chant, or plays a little pipe. And the sheep, his sheep, know his voice, know the little pipe that he plays, and follow the shepherd. And the shepherd takes them up onto the mountaintops and lets them graze up there. And up on the mountain tops, lo and behold, there are lost and stray sheep. So his sheep mingle with all the other sheep. And then when it's time to call his sheep to himself, his sheep come and the other sheep follow like sheep. Until eventually those stray sheep know the voice, begin to learn and discern the voice of the shepherd. They begin to realize this is a quite a good place to be actually. And it's basically it's not the shepherd who goes running round trying to capture all those sheep. What he does is he just lets his own sheep wander amongst them and they get to know them. I have never people say to me, Have you got a heart for reaching Muslims for Jesus? No. No, I got a heart to reach everybody for Jesus. Not the moment, this happened with the Muslims. But it's happening with deaf people, it's happening with the whosoever. Got a heart to reach everybody for Jesus, but I'm not doing it. They are. They are going and telling their stories. They are seeing the change in each other's lives. They're getting healed of mental problems, being signed off psychotherapy, being healed in their bodies, and then people are saying, I want what you've got, and then they come and they meet their shepherd. Now, when he says about wolves, sheep among wolves, don't get frightened by that. Do you know the biblical definition of a wolf? Well, if you don't, you'll find it in Acts 20. I'll read it to you. Verse 28, Paul says this, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after themselves. The definition of a wolf is somebody who wants disciples to follow them. They're not promoting Jesus as the shepherd, they promote in themselves. So, basically... The job of all shepherds is to point people to the shepherd. The British occupied Palestine for many years. Before Israel became a state, Palestine was British territory. And there were uprisings among the Palestinians against the British. So one of the things the British used to do was take their flock off them as a fine and then we'd impound the the flocks and there'd be thousands of sheep in this this sort of compound and then they'd have to pay to come and get their sheep back this is a true story, I've, I've got some great books on shepherding out in the Middle East, true story this young shepherd only had eight sheep and they impounded his sheep So he worked and worked until he got enough money to buy his sheep back. So he went over to the compound where the British soldiers were. He said, I've come for my sheep. He said, how many have you got? He said, eight. He said, take your pick. He said, no, I want my sheep. So the British soldier looked at the thousands of sheep. He said, good luck with that, then." And the young shepherd took out the pipe, began to play his tune. And from all of these thousands of sheep, eight sheep made their way through all of the sheep to find the shepherd. They all came to him. He said, thank you very much. And off he went with his sheep following him.
1: I do feel that as I've sat there, I do feel the need to, to kind of remind us of, of the messages that God has brought over the last number of weeks. Uh, and, and so let me remind you of some of the bullet points of those. Cathy um, brought a message, which, is, which was basically just say yes to God. If you know it's God, and he's asking something of you, say yes. Um, and then we, we've heard about the, the, the word, how important the word is, together with the spirit, knowing what the word says, and, how we can, and then how we can share our faith with others, honestly and biblically. Um, and then Kathy last week kind of presented us with the All-Age service, didn't she? We, and we created our tool belts. You know, what, what things have we got on our tool belts? So when we say yes to Jesus, we've got the Bible on our tool belt. What else have we got on our tool belt? And then today... Um, it's, it's, you know, when people ask things of you that don't know Jesus, are you in a position to be able to say, God, I can do something to help those people. So every week it's building upon building upon. So it's so important. That we do gather together as a church and we do it regularly and consistently so that we can hear together. God, what are you saying? Where are you leading us? What direction are you taking us in? You you know, if you just see points on a journey, you you might not be able to connect where that journey is going. But if you're there and you're on it and you're on the path and you're walking, we're we're heading in a a definite direction. And that direction is, is for us right now is about equipping us as the body to reach people outside of the church, to go gather those lost sheep, to put them amongst our sheep, us, the sheep, and so that they can see and experience the love of God. I love that expression, uh, that, 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 that thing of, of, the, of the Middle Eastern shepherd. It's something that God has been speaking to me very directly about over the last month, actually, that the, the shepherd shepherds his sheep and they love him. And, and, and that thing you've added to, which is about, you know, they mix with the other sheep that don't know him and then suddenly they're attracted to him because of they see the other sheep. Wow, it's awesome, isn't it? In this house, we are real. But we also make mistakes. And when we do, we make sure we say sorry. We give second chances to anyone. And we also have lots of fun. In this house, we definitely forgive. We also do loud. We give the best hugs. We are family. And in this house, that means we we love. love.